Right, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. I know that some of you are already wondering, after last week, if I'm about to read chapters 9 through 16. But not today. I won't say never, I'll just say not today, okay? Uh, we're only going to be in three verses Again, after we, we looked at so much, tried to cover so much last week, we're just going to be here at the tail end of Romans. It's really, if, if you have a, a Bible that has those subtitles in it, it's subtitled a doxology, right? And maybe that's a phrase you've heard a lot. Maybe you even think about the, the song that is called the doxology, famous hymn, of course, you've heard many times. And, but really, if you'll notice, in, in these three verses, you don't see the same lyrics or same words found. And so, so maybe you're wondering even what is a doxology? It's really a, a simple definition is that it's an expression or an explanation of glory. Really, it's, a, it's an oral or written expression of what it means for the appearance of glory. Does that, so now with that, with that thought in mind, let's go to verses 25, 26, and 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ. Amen. I have thought about this, especially in light of reading this por large portion last week, right? Can you imagine, and maybe you, you have a better chance of imagining it if you were here last week, but, but remember, this was a letter, right? This was a letter written to the church at Rome that would have actually been read aloud to the congregation. In fact, the, the portions right before this, it's, it's got, again, all the rest of chapter 16, if you go through it, it's got all of these names, right? And, and so Paul was wanting them to hear their names. I mean, like Priscilla and Aquila and Phoebe. And then there's just like names like uh, Hermes and Petrobus and Hermes and Greek Philoagus and Julia, I like Julia a lot, that was easy, right? Uh, but there's all of these names, just, just, hey, greet these people, like he misses them, he loves them, and so he's writing them this note, this, this long letter, and he, he's explaining all these things, so you can hear the, almost in the tone as the, the person would be reading this letter, and he gets through all of those, and he, he says all of these things about, say hello to, to Mike, and say hey to Kylie, and say hey to, to Abby, and say hey, over and over and over, it's just all of these hellos, and greet them, may encourage them, may they be, feel your presence, may these things be, be there. And then 
Then he gets to this. So after all of that, all of this good that's been described, the, the grace of God, the glory of God, the salvation given by God, all of this. And so he comes to this end and you can just hear it in the, the reader's voice. So now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to the gospel, this gospel that you've now read an entire letter of, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret through long ages, but now it's been disclosed through the prophetic writings. It's been made known to all nations. You're one of those nations that it's been made known to, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Now let's point not just to the gospel, but to that God, to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. So he naturally closes all of that with, Amen. I agree. I agree with everything. He's agreeing with his own statements. Maybe that's what I should start doing in my preaching. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I wrote that. Right? There's, there's this kind of just exclamation point to it. He's thrilled with what, he is, what he's been able to say and put down on paper now for the church at Rome, and now certainly 2,000 years later for us to see as well. I want us in this to know this about the book of Romans. I, I took a, a class in uh, seminary. It was actually two classes in one. One was the study of Romans, and the other class was what's called soteriology, so the study of the doctrine of salvation. And those classes are are meshed together because you can't do one without the other. If you're going to study Romans, you're going to study salvation. And if you're going to study salvation according to Scripture, you're going to study Romans. So they, they put these two courses together. So in this, in as we conclude the book of Romans, I want you to see Christ in the glory of salvation, the beauty that salvation is, and think about Salvation in light of the gospel. That's what the gospel is taking us to, to saving knowledge of Christ. So let's think about this as, as the text will lead us to, okay? First, it's that the gospel is proclaimed by men to nations. If you've been here very long, some of you might even think, oh, great, another time that Chad's going to tell us to go to all nations and tell people about Jesus. Guess what? Chad's not telling you that. The Bible is telling you that. And so Chad's just repeating what the Bible said. Amen. See, yeah. All right. That's what I'm talking about. So the gospel is proclaimed by men to nations. And here's where we see this in this text, right? Preaching of Jesus Christ. This is verse 25. And then 26, made known to all nations. This is the task given. Preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus Christ, making, proclaiming him. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher, so I'm not supposed to preach. Yes, you are. We are supposed to preach the good news. So we're to explain, expound the good news to all nations. Now, men, people, right? This is proclaimed by men to all nations. Men proclaim through a natural progression. There's part of us that this just comes out in that way. If you want to, you can turn, but if not, it's okay, to Romans chapter one, where we'll see this natural progression for us. 
Romans chapter one, verse 14 and following. He says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So here's the, the progression. The first part of that progression, that natural progression for us as men, as people, is to be under obligation, right? There's this burden in us to, to take what we know to be saving people from hell. We're obligated to take that truth to the lost. I want to pause on this one, though, because my fear is that for some of us, we, we have lost all sense of obligation. We look at lost people and we're sad for them. We wish maybe that they weren't. We, we hear of those who don't know Christ. We hear of those who never heard of Christ. We, we find out that our neighbor believes something different than that of scripture, whatever the case is. And, and we don't feel an appropriate amount of obligation. Because if we would, or if we did, we would share him. Like this is the most minimal, right? Obligated. Now, I've shared this before, this example, but uh, obligation in some cases isn't, isn't quite sufficient, right? I think about anniversary, my my wedding anniversary is December 11th, 2004. I didn't even have to write that down. Okay, I know my anniversary. Uh, and, and so on December 11th, if I, if I came home and with roses and, and gave them to Gloria, my wife, and she said, thank you. And I said, it's my job. Huh. All the wives just laughed. Husbands are like, oh, have I done that? Like, right, right. I was obligated to. I'm giving these to you because I have to. That does not go well, guys. Helping you out on this one. Don't do that. Right? Obligation is, is insufficient. Obligation might stir me to get those flowers. I'm like a, a sense of responsibility to, to love my wife and care for my wife and show her and let her hear that. But obligation shouldn't be the only reason. So when I take those flowers to her, not just on December 11th, but on some other random day, and she says, wow, thank you. And I, I begin to dote on her and tell her how wonderful she is and what a great mom she is and what a great wife she is to me. And not, not because we've been married to X amount of years, but because, because I just wanted her to know that I love her. And obligation means more. Like she, she hears not just obligation in my voice, but an actual love. And so in the same way, when you go knock on your neighbor's door and you tell them about Christ and they say, why would you take the time and the, the energy to do that? You don't look back at them and say, Oh, like I have to. You say, no, like I'm, I want to do this, which is the next step, right? That's why he says, I'm eager. So this natural progression is not just obligation, but it's an eagerness. You want to share the gospel with people. Why? Because you don't want them to go to hell. 
plain and simple. You want them to enjoy that all that Christ has to offer to them here and in forever. You want them to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and the gift that he is, the comfort and the help that he provides you. You want them to know and experience God and his glory. You want this for them. This is not just an obligation. This is an eagerness, right? Because obligation is insufficient. It's a start, but it's like it's not enough. So, so you want to move from this obligated. And so I'm, I'm asking you that if you're not obligated, would today you know I must take the truth of the gospel to those who do not know him? Feel obligated, feel burdened as you leave this place today with that sense of responsibility because it's not just for me because I stand behind a pulpit. It is for you because you've surrendered to the king. So you're not just obligated, you're moved to this step of eagerness and then beyond that, you're unashamed, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Isn't this good to know? God's the one who does the work of salvation. So you don't have to be ashamed of what you know when you, when you give this truth to others. It's not on your whimsical ability to, to win others to Christ. It's on God and his spirit and for them to believe. So men proclaim through a natural progression, but men proclaim because of a supernatural progression. Again, still in the book of Romans, we go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Pause. That's really good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, that's, there's freedom in that alone. Now, when you share the gospel, if they believe, if they trust in Christ, he will save them. This is a promise. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him who they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want you to hear this supernatural progression. Salvation requires calling, right? For salvation to happen, you must call on the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's, that's good news. You, we want salvation for those who are lost. We want for those who don't know Christ to know Christ. If you're in the, the room today and you do not know Christ, hear me, you can call on the Lord today, right here, right now. You can call on him. You can repent of your sin, turn away from yourself and your sin and trust in Jesus. And this is the promise that he will save you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till some song gets sung or some prayer gets prayed. You call out to the Lord. Salvation requires calling. 
And calling requires believing. How then will they call whom they've not believed? So if they don't believe in God, you can't call on him, right? This is that supernatural progression. Believing though, listen to this, believing requires hearing. How are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? How is someone supposed to believe in God, in Jesus who died on the cross? How are they supposed to to know all these truths that we cherish so much if they've never heard of it? And and so that the, the next step is answered, really, because how are they to hear without someone preaching? That means someone has to tell them. I I think at this point in our relationship, you know that I believe in the work of sanctification, that I believe in the, the work of living a life that is holy and pleasing to God, and in your life being a reflection of the gospel. But I need you to hear this. People are not saved by your good works. People are not saved because you are kind to them. People are not rescued from hell because you took cookies to your neighbor. Be kind, take cookies to your neighbor, but understand that you must speak the gospel to them for them to know the truth. And preaching requires being sent. How are they to preach? How are are you supposed to preach if you've never been sent? Why do you think that we say every week at the close, let's pray together and then we'll be sent out? Why do you think at the end of our baptism videos, we say that we are saved to be sent? Why do you think on that back wall, it's printed on the wall, saved to be sent? Because we want to remind ourselves that every week we are being sent out from this place to preach the gospel every single day. In our homes, in our workplace, in our classrooms, in our neighborhoods, and certainly in all nations. So are you going to your neighbors with the gospel? Oh, church, let's do it. Like, let's, let's be that church. How exciting is it? Like, you have no clue how excited I get when you introduce me to your coworker who you've shared the gospel with or to your classmate. I'm so overwhelmed with joy when I hear of you sharing the gospel with a friend or family member. Let us be those beautiful feet. For some of you, you, you quickly think that that's an oxymoron. Beautiful feet? Feet are dirty, stinky. How could they be beautiful? Because they're bringing the good news. So, hey kids, this is a good spot. Draw beautiful feet. I have no clue what your feet that you draw will look like, but if they're, if they're feet that represent feet that are taking the good news of Jesus Christ to those who don't know it, they will be beautiful. So let's, let's not just do that here, right? Let's do that to 
all nations, made known to all nations. I think about the, the today, in word about the Karakapal pack in Uzbekistan with over 730,000 people who have no access to the gospel. I think about the Humla people group in the mountains of the Himalayas with almost 6,000 people who are unreached with the gospel. What about them? Who of us, who of us will be the beautiful feet for them? See, the gospel is proclaimed by men to nations and the gospel is proclaimed about Christ for Christ. I thought it was for them so that they would be saved. Listen, it's for his glory, about Christ for Christ. Listen, listen again to these verses in Romans 16, 25, right? Now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret from long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings. This tells us that this is about Christ. Even the, the Old Testament is about Christ. We just spent a year walking through the Old Testament, reminding ourselves that it's about Christ for Christ. It's for his glory. You see, the Old Testament foretells the glory of Christ, right? We think about that from literally Genesis 1. He was there at creation. We think of Genesis 3, and he's told, he's prophesied about then. He will stomp the head, the one who bruises his heel. In fact, Romans 1 says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an, apart, an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Right? This, this is what's taking place. The Old Testament, over and over and over, is prophesying not just about someone, but about Jesus the Christ. And so we, we love the Old Testament. We need and want the Old Testament because it points us to the one of the New Testament. The New Testament explains the glory of Christ. Because it's now been disclosed. We need the glory of Christ in our history, but we want the glory of Christ in our now, in our present. The New Testament explains the glory of Christ. We need that now. By the way, we're going to get to forever in just a minute. But we don't just want the Christ of the future. Right? We want heaven, church. I long for heaven. All the glories therein. But I need Christ now. The gift of salvation is not just that gift that is the, the work of justification. It is the work of sanctification for us. It is the work of being made right in Christ, being made to look and sound more and more and more like Christ. The gospel is proclaimed about Christ for Christ. 
and the gospel is proclaimed for God forever. Right? I told you we would get to forever, and here it is. We think about to the only wise God be glory forevermore. We, we want to be a part of the, the chorus of saved who stand around the throne singing of the praises of our God. I think about heaven and when I, when I study heaven and what scripture tells us about it, I, I think there's so much there that we miss. If you're one who... Uh, looks at heaven and is, is a little bit concerned about what are you going to do? We're going we're gonna to thrive. We've got we're plenty to do. We're going to get to just rejoice and savor the beauty and majesty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We won't need a sun because we'll have the light and glory of God. We won't be sad. The loss of a loved one. We won't be heartbroken that the wayward child. No. We will go to the perfect parent who shepherds and guides us and we will enjoy him forever. See, salvation was planned before time, right? To him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret even for long ages. I think about the, the parents who stood up here just a little while ago Think about those mothers in this room that have prayed daily for the salvation of their kids. Think about my mom, who still prays for me daily. I think about my wife, who prays for and leads our, cares for our children well. I think about the meticulous planning that goes into motherhood. Then we see this this plan. Just listen to Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his 
purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth in him. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Salvation was planned before time, before the foundation of the world. So take heart, mom. You can't save your child. God of all grace can. So keep calling out to him. Salvation was planned before time and salvation was purposed without help. It's now been disclosed, the prophetic writings to stir in us, to bring about the obedience of faith. But who did the saving? Who offers the spiritual blessing? Who gives, who does the predestination and the choosing? Who does the, the hard work? Who does the forgiveness of our trespasses? You just read these texts over and over and you see he's the one doing the hard part. Our task is simply to surrender. Repent. Like we, we're turning away. We're surrendering our, from our old life into new life. We're going from death to life. This seems like such an obvious choice. And you know, for some of us, we just keep brushing it by and say, I think I'd rather have this thing than have Christ. You can't do it on your own. You, you can't get heaven. You can't get peace. You can't get hope on your own. You and I, we would fail over and over and over again. But he, the eternal God, he's purposed to bring about salvation. Surrender yourself to him. Finally, salvation is praised without end. This last verse, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. I agree. I affirm this statement that God deserves glory forevermore and he will get it. Revelation 4 tells us this. He's already getting it. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
whenever those living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. They sing and they bow and they praise and they, they exclaim the glory and the beauty of God. And crying out with a loud voice, they say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So I, I can speak confidently that salvation belongs to our God. My question for you today is, have you surrendered your life to Christ? I'm sure, again, that some of you in this room have been praying daily for, for your children. I even, I even think of this, there might be some of you in this room today like grown adults whose mom has prayed for you, prayed for you this morning at today that would be the day of salvation for you. They've wept over opened Bibles, got tear-stained journals filled with your name, calling you out to God, not just moms, but grandmoms and dads and friends, brothers. Don't just surrender your life to honor them. Surrender your life to Christ because he's worth it. But I can think of no better gift to give your mom. It's what John says, right? There's no greater joy than to see your children walking in Christ. Who, has, who have been the beautiful feet to you? And who do you need to be the beautiful feet to? Maybe all of this makes you think about questions you have. So I wanna encourage you as we respond in just a minute that if you have some questions, concerns, things that are rising up in your mind, you just don't know what, what next step is, to my left and your right over here in this room, there will be some of our elders and leaders willing to serve you and try to pray with you, answer some of those questions. So I wanna encourage you to, to make your way there. Are you gonna be the beautiful feet? Who is it you need to share with? Where is it you need to go? The Lord is our salvation. He's it. So let's be a church that believes that and proclaims that. Do you stand with me as we respond?